just jumping in really quickly at the start of today's episode to tell you about some upcoming opportunities to see us live in the flesh. And you can see us live at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival 2024. We are doing three live podcasts on Sundays at 3.30 at Basement Comedy Club, April 7, 14 and 21. You can get tickets at dogoonpod.com. Matt, you're also doing some shows around the country. That's right. I'm doing shows with Saren Jaimana, who's been on the show before. We're going to be in Perth in January, Adelaide in February, Melbourne through the festival in April and then Brisbane after that. I'm also doing Who Knew It's in Perth and Adelaide. Uh, details for all that stuff at mattstewartcomedy.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. Welcome to Do Go On Presents. Okay, hopefully. So underneath this, I'd love to lay down some sort of um, opera or quarrel music. Is quarrel right? No, that's. I'm that's... on it. Oh! <laughs> now, quarrel is, you piece of shit! <laughs> Do you mean coral? Coral. Coral. <laughs> coral. Now, that's just underwater stuff. Under the sea. Under the, under the sea, you piece of shit under the <laughs> sea. That's a better. coral quarrel. <laughs> That's such a good song, that one. We got distracted real early there. Mm, so this what is, are we here for again? This oh, is yes. Do Go On Presents. The second time we've done this now, we're dropping in, um, you know, midweek in between episodes to tell you about another great show that I recommend, Jess recommends, and most of all, Matt recommends. I also recommend, Do not speak for me. I do. I I like these (laughs) Do Go On Presents episodes because we all uh, wear tuxedos. Um, (laughs) It's so nice. And it's nice nice to have an excuse to pull it out. Yeah. You know? Pull out the tuxedo. The tuxedo. Pull up. Thank God. (laughs) It's a nice excuse Do not look under the table, Dave. (laughs) You're pulling it out of the tuxedo. (laughs) It being... Another great episode to present, and also the first one we're presenting, of Primates. Another podcast we record in this studio, often with uh, you two, always with me. Uh, it's a podcast about primates and popular culture. Sounds bloody stupid, and I, I know um, a bunch of you have already heard it and um, have been really nice about it, but I think maybe others of you haven't, so we thought, why not just drop it right in to make it real easy? Um, and this uh, week's episode... Um, that I'm going to play for you is from a couple of weeks ago with you and me, Dave. Yes, I had a great time. You invited me on to be one of your first guests on Primates. Appreciated that, Matt. Appreciated that. It was, hey, the honour was all mine. You're helping me out. Jess has also been on uh, an episode in the past and she's on the upcoming episode this week. Mm. If, if um, you're interested. And I have listened to the episode that we're about to play. I've listened to you boys because I support you. Thank you. Thank and you. let me just say <laughs> oh no here we go a bit of truth that i thoroughly enjoyed it <laughs> oh and it was an absolute delight any <laughs> feedback no 
<laughs> Great. <laughs> I feel like we're having another quarrel here. I guess it, it probably makes more sense just to play it um, for you so rather than... Ex- uh, no, I'll explain it. Okay, yeah, no, I'd love to hear... <laughs> how would you break it down as a show? Because people have said to me that they liked it once they gave it a try, but it took them a while because they were like, this doesn't sound like something that interests me. <laughs> Which I think is fair you enough. just have to be able to go with the flow and be a bit whimsical and just have fun. Yeah, it's ma- I mean, it's mainly a fun time. You know, it's not taking itself too seriously. No. And you've had a lot of other great guests from Planet Broadcasting. Who yeah. else have you had? Uh, we had Meso on um, and also uh, James, Mr. Sunday Movies, um, on different episodes. Claire from Just Make the Thing. Uh, I've also had Alistair Tremblay, Birchall and Annie Matthews from Two in the Think Tank. Uh, and, yeah, this week... This episode coming up with Jess again is about a comic book character, which is so much fun. So great. Yeah. It's it's a lot of fun. I it just it um it's um been a real bloody blast to do. And I yeah, I'm stoked that um Dave and Jess are happy for me to drop this in your feed. Sorry if this is annoying. Uh but do go on presents is our time to get in the tux, Edos. Mm. <laughs> Play a few stringed instruments I'm under in the seat. And um, yeah, Dave, uh, you were on this episode. Do you want to throw to it? Uh, this is uh, Do Go On Presents Primates, Matt Stewart's podcast featuring Dave Warnicky talking about The Simpsons' classic episode, A Fish Called Selma, one of my all-time favourite episodes featuring the the Dr. (laughs) Zayas episode where Troy McClure is in the Planet of the Apes musical, and it is hilarious. So we'll play play a good chunk of this episode now, and then we'll come back and have a quick chat to you after. And if you want to find it, um, just search in your... uh, uh, Either you can look at the link below this in the description, or just search Prime, P-R-I-M-E... Space mates, it's a fun little thing there. If you say it quick, it sounds like primates. <laughs> Wordplay, very clever. And may I just say the last word? Play the clip. Welcome to Primates, the podcast where we go through primates and popular culture from chimpanzee all the way to chimpanzee. This week, my primate, my very special guest, is Mr. Dave Warnicky. Welcome to the show, Mr. Dave. Hello. Thank you so much for having me as one of your prime mates. <laughs> it's so nice to have you here. Of course, some listeners may know that we do another podcast together. We have for about almost three years now called Do Go On. I know, we needed another excuse to hang out together in the studio. I reckon the vast majority of the time I, I hang out with you is uh, with a mic in front of my face. Yeah, definitely. It's a bit like um, Kardashians, the camera. It's always rolling. Yeah. Uh-huh. But in that show, it's almost not not always rolling because I'm sure it's very scripted. As very, yeah, it, it has that vibe. Uh, the bit I saw of it about five years ago, would it have been going that long? Oh, definitely. I think it's been going, it'll be close to 10 years or something. 10 years. So basically on that show, 
I get suspicious when someone's being filmed and then they make a call and then it cuts to like their mum that they're ringing and there just happens to be her on the answering them. Yeah. Like they have nine camera crews for every family member in yeah. case they answer a phone call. Any documentary where they'll they'll have the camera, someone, well, we're going to go see this. If someone's at this house, they'll knock on the door and then they'll have the reverse shot of them opening the door from inside. They're like, well, that that's kind of ruined that, that illusion, know, hasn't that, it? It can't have happened. Idiots or... You're treating us like idiots. <laughs> yeah, or they actually have several cameras. <laughs> yeah, just as well. Maybe Kardashians could have such a wild budget that it's just, it's all go. No, I imagine it's fa- it's fake. Let's go with that. Let's go with that. We're, uh, we're talking about this week, um, obviously, another classic primate episode in the history of popular culture. Which, uh, which episode have you chosen here today? We've decided to go with my all-time favorite TV show, The Simpsons. And their episode from season seven, A Fish Called Selma, which uh, listeners may remember if they are as big a Simpsons fans as us. The one where Troy McClure is the main character in the episode and he marries Marge's sister, Selma Bouvier, to try and aid his uh, fledgling career because he's been shoved into obscurity because of rumors about his sex life. Yes, that's right, and they they never fully spell it out. But no, it's he's something. A, it's aquarium related. Yeah, that's right. They keep implying that he has sex with fish. It's a romantic. What does he say? Because it's not a a romantic abnormality. <laughs> and he goes on a he wants to anyway. He's about to bring it out. Which I was when I was reading about this episode. One of the things I read was it's um you know how they have many pop culture references throughout the show. That is a reference to the rumors. Have you ever heard about Richard Gere's rumor? No. Oh, yeah, gerbling? Gerb- I've never heard that before. Yeah. Th- and then that- I was on Snopes and Snopes had debunked it. Yeah, that feels very debunkable. Yeah, yeah. So basically, if, if you also are not, are not familiar with it, Richard Gere, possibly, there was, well, there was a rumour. I say possibly. There was a rumour. He de- definitely didn't do this. Uh, used to uh, shove gerbils up his ass for sexual pleasure. Yeah, that, that definitely went around at high school Real- oh. yeah, as a rumour. Because this is, when did this this episode came out, The Simpsons? 96, so it would have been before this. Right, yeah. So uh, it obviously lasted a while because, uh, yeah, I reckon I would have heard about that a few years after this, so it, it persisted. But I don't think all that many school kids are talking about Richard Gere anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine that. Whoa, who's Richard Gere? <laughs> yeah. Okay, the gerbling thing, fine. But... Yeah. Who's Richard Gere? <laughs> I want a pretty woman get into his car. This this is in uh, season seven, just before the famous sort of falling off a cliff of quality of the, that the Simpsons went through. No, I really like it up until about season ten. Right. Okay. But I reckon eight. They say the first still, eight is like amazing. Well, I reckon from two to eight. Two to eight. Yeah. Season one's finding its feet, but yeah. still some good stuff. And then two to eight is the golden age. It's so funny because we we just rewatched that episode together. And how many jokes are there in it? It's ram-packed. Every, uh, every little sign, every little bit, there's just something happening. Yeah, it was amazing. A lot of them I, I didn't pick up. It was handy to have you here annotating the episode. <laughs> <laughs> well, what you'll find here is... <laughs> just pause, pause for a moment and uh, let me talk you through this scene. It took us a, it was about four and a half hours to get through the episode. Yeah, it was amazing. I once thought about making a YouTube video where you explain every joke for The Simpsons. So wow. every 10 seconds it cuts to me in the studio and I'm like, so what's happening here is? <laughs> I reckon there'd, there'd be so many I miss. I reckon there's plenty of jokes in The Simpsons, especially when I was a kid, but even probably now where I'm I'm laughing. I know why it, it probably is funny, but there'll be a, a little element of it that I'm having to fill in a blank because I don't get a reference or whatever. Sure, sure. But I, reckon, I love as you get older and you're ex- exposed to more stuff, you start getting 
more yes. and more and more. Pick which more is up. the beauty of the show because when I was seven years old, I was getting none of this, but I'm I was still, still loving, it. loving it. Yeah, still would have told you it's a very funny show. So it works on many levels. We should get to the crux of why we're talking about this episode, though. Yes, Troy the- McClure, So this is the first episode where he's really playing a key role in a Simpsons episode. Yeah, I think in- before that he'd just been uh, hi, I'm Troy McClure. You might remember me from and like you know doing mainly. Sort of instructional videos. This is a, this is the first episode where he actually met the Simpsons. Before this, he'd only been yeah seen or heard through yeah, other right. me, other mediums, media. So uh, we find that he's a he was big in the seventies. He's fallen out of favor with and a lot to do with his um, shadowy private life. And you know ever, that seems to be it. in this world the the gerbil style rumor is a lot more prevalent. Than yeah, in, for sure. I don't but, think it ruined Richard Gere's no, career. No. Well, I've never even heard <laughs> the of it. The kids in Melbourne weren't going, hey, you heard that guy from Mothman Prophecies is <laughs> putting things up his butt? Good on him. Is what a lot of, that was the consensus around our schoolyard. Definitely. You're very... Uh, Gerbling, eh? Forward thinking. Yeah. He started a real craze around our schoolyard. <laughs> we had gerbil races. And the teacher comes in, but Richard Gere did it. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. Well, he is a big star. <laughs> he's, he's a heartthrob. So... To rev- accidentally, somewhat, uh, he ends up meeting Selma Bouvier, Marge's wa- uh, that's right. sister. At the uh, DMV, I think that's what they call yeah, it. Yeah, Department right? of Motor Vehicles, I'm yeah. guessing. And uh, they end up going on a date um, because he, he owed her a favor. He, it was sort of seen that way. A photo's taken, and the media are loving it. They're like, wow, it's yeah. Troy McClure with a human. Yeah, so there's three paparazzis that just happen to take photos of them. And now he's back in the limelight, and his agent. Played by Jeff Goldblum in this episode. And that was a cool. So uh, he he found him this role in Planet of the Apes musical, and which was called Dave. Um, stop the Planet stop the Planet of, of the Apes. I want to get off. Which is very very funny. Obviously, I don't have to tell you that. <laughs> no, dear listener, I didn't. Realize You're that laughing that, hard right now. I didn't realize that that was a reference to. This is one of those things where I don't get the reference when I read it. I go, oh, very clever. Um, a musical from the 60s called Stop the World, I Want to Get <laughs> Off, which is so bad. <laughs> it's fun. I I disagree. I'd call that fun. Um, but, yeah, so there's a few. So Phil Hartman as Troy McClure and uh, Jeff Goldblum as, as the agent. But you were telling me a fun fact just before that the episode initially ran quite long. Yeah, so initially the episode ran 28 minutes, which is, I think, something about like six minutes too long. Right. A lot, a lot long. Yeah. Basically because Selma and Troy McClure are the two main characters and they both have very slow speaking styles. So what they did was they realized that this was a problem. So they got Jeff Goldblum to revoice his character because no one had ever heard him talk before, but make him speak a lot quicker. So the can, character's the voice. Char- People had heard Jeff Goldblum. Yeah, no, yeah. Until this point, Jeff Goldblum had only played mimes. Yeah, and he Fuck. did it extremely well. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so they got him to re- revoice it. And apparently they had to also cut a scene, Troy's bachelor party. Ah. Would have enjoyed that. Yeah. Is that, oh, hopefully that exists somewhere. I imagine yeah, I it suppose- probably does on a DVD extra or something. Never come across it, but. Anyway, we, maybe we'll let's hear a little bit of the, uh, the Planet of the Apes musical now. Starring Troy McClure as the human. The role he was born to play. <laughs> Help. The human's about to escape. Get your paws off me, you dirty ape. He can talk. 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 I can sing. Oh, help me, Dr. Sayers. Dr. Sayers, Dr. Sayers. 
I can say sing along with that basically. Yeah, without having seen it for quite a while. You can still remember the tune. Yeah. I think it is definitely the best ever song on The Simpsons. Then there are some good ones. There, there are, are plenty good of good ones. ones. Um, Monorail. One of my favourites. Obviously a classic one there. I was um, reading a little bit about on this, uh, there's this article on Vulture talking about um, the background of this episode. It's a, an interview and there's... Um... Sorry, I'm opening a drink bottle here. That's a bit of a squeak. A primate, <laughs> if you will. Primate squeak. You know, that classic primate squeak. Oh, I've forgotten. We always start the episode, and maybe I've remembered to do this one time, with the question, Dave, what is your favourite primate? Either specifically or, or, or species-wise. Well, I actually, my favourite is one I didn't even realise was a primate. I've gone with the lemur. Oh, the lemur. Did you know the lemur was a primate? Oh, you said mate, I'm, I'm a casual expert. Okay, of course. In recent course. times, since I loved the movie Rise of the Planet of the Apes. Is there lemurs in there? There are no lemurs in that, but that is when I really started to shallow dive oh. into the world of primates. And you belly flopped the whole way. Yeah, big time. A lot of surface area, very red belly, but bloody hell, I got Worth it. I got monkey and ape knowledge coming out my paws, which is a, I think uh, you might find some of those um, primates have in place of hands. Oh. Might be a different paw. I might be confusing two <laughs> kinds of paws there. Yes, it's definitely, <clears throat> pardon me, definitely a homophone. A homophone. Thank you. Yes, but uh, no, I love, love a lemur, found only in Madagascar. Ah. Oh. Do they feature in the film Madagascar? I'm sure there's one. Surely. I haven't seen. I saw. I actually saw Madagascar at the movies, I think. You paid 20 plus dollars for that? Well, I don't know if movies cost that much back then. Yeah, fair enough. Because um, I, I have this early memory of lemurs when I went to the zoo. When I was in early prim, primary school. And the zookeeper told us, so you couldn't get that close to the lemurs because they were on like an island at this zoo because they were so good at escaping they had to put them on, on this Lima Island because they're afraid of water. Right. So that kept them in. So that's kind of a sad fact looking back because they're oh, sort of surrounded by water, but it, I thought it was quite good. They were, you know, if you remember the movie Madagascar, just looked it up, that whole, there, there's a kingdom there. They were lemurs, including uh, one by, played the king played by Sasha Baron Cohen, um, his advisor played by Cedric the Entertainer. Oh, yeah. Andy Richter was a lemur. That's an all-star cast of lemurs. Looking at an article with a photo of David Schwimmer. Who was he? Uh, David Schwimmer played a sad <laughs> animal. <laughs> Seriously? I assume, yeah. All I right. mean, it was David Schwimmer. Was played, okay. He played the David Schwimmer version of a, it. was either a zebra or a, uh, no, he was Melman, the giraffe, uh, who was a hypochondriac giraffe. Melman. Very David Schwimmer. Very, yeah, he swimmed the shit out of it. He's not afraid of swimming. He swims right to the bottom of the ape. Pool. I don't mind. I don't. What's well, the second time we've already um, had a, a friends episode with uh, Elsa Trombley Birchall came on and we talked about an, the episode where Ross got a monkey. Oh wow! Yeah, is it called Marcel? Was it was it, was it problematic that episode? I know a lot of a lot of no, I, are now. I was yeah, 
that that has become that's something that has been started to be talked about a lot lately. Is Friends has an age super well, but that episode I don't think had too m- many problematic things, and it was an early one too. It was season one, so yeah, I was bracing for it. I was ready to go. The uh, I, I was, but I have been reading this uh, this article on Vulture. It's an interview with some of the key players in the in this episode, and I thought maybe I'd, I'd read a few little quotes out here for you, Dave. Oh, please. Um, so Bill Oakley, who took over as showrunner for season seven and eight, and this episode's from season seven. I found this really cool. He was saying that pretty before Star Wars, Planet of the Apes, when he was a kid, that was that was the big Star War, that was the big sci-fi movie that the kids loved. Until Star Wars came along, obviously. And then eventually Planet of the Apes started to have this sort of a bit of a kitschy sort of vibe about it. People would look back with some nostalgia, but it would it would normally be a bit of a jokey sort of thing. Obviously now very legit with the Rise of the Planet of the Apes, uh, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes and War for the Planet of the Apes. Sure, sure. Have you seen the original one? I have. I I have seen it. I saw it back in high school. Um, but that that's got to come up uh, in a in an episode soon. Sure, I think it's the only one I've seen of any Planet of the Apes. Well, you got to watch that new trilogy, the reboot trilogy. It's very good. I saw the Tim Burton one as well back in the day, and I don't remember because I was quite young when I saw it. I I didn't realize how silly it was, but at the end, apparently there was pressure. We'll probably do it at some point and talk about it more, but. Apparently there was pressure for there to be a big twist like in the initial one, a big reveal at the end. Oh, right. Okay, sure. And their big reveal was that when he went back to Earth or something like that, it was a planet of the apes, only it it had like a sort of splice history with our history of the world. So there was like a monkey Abraham Lincoln statue (laughs) is what he saw. It's like, what? The you know the big uh, yeah sitting in the sitting in that chair, big concrete yeah. chair yeah only it was monument. him only he looked almost exactly the same only he was some sort of a primate and that was the twist that was the big twist at the end and it that damn made, you <laughs> that movie it did not it was not well loved that one no I, th- I honestly when you told me that you loved the new Planet of the Apes films I think my gauge of them was that film right which I hadn't even seen but I remember that being like laughed at and so, then when you started loving it i was like matt's loving this yeah right well the first the initial c uh series spawned so many sequels and prequels and, and spin-offs and all that sort of stuff and then this new series has as well but that one is on a little island by itself yeah. how would you like to look five years younger in a clinical study people that had volume added with juvederm voluma xc in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment look younger feel like you add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with juvederm voluma xc reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with juvederm volure xc for important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Sure. The Tim Burton one. It's a lemur. Yeah. It's a little Trapped lemur. on the island. Uh, played by Sasha Sasha Baron Cohen. <laughs> um, so yeah, it was interesting. He was saying that that it, so people did love it. Um, and he said uh, at the time before the Tim Burton remake and the prequels, it had this camp classic status. Uh, all the lines like "Take your stinking paws off me, you damn dirty ape," which they <laughs> reuse in in the musical version. So he says that they occupied a rare place in pop culture, which I love that right. But I love this even more. Josh Weinstein, who was a writer and producer of The Simpsons at this time, he was also a co-showrunner. This is what he said. He said, I'll tell you something. I didn't see Planet of the Apes until like five years ago. And this is an in- a recent interview. So he's he hadn't seen Planet of the Apes. And he's <laughs> okay. showrunning this episode that is doing one of the most famous parody or spoofs or whatever you'd call this. You think this. you'd get him a copy of the film. Yeah, like just you'd go home quick... one night and be like, all right, I'm going to get a copy of the film. Get the reference, and then tomorrow when we come to the meeting, I'll know what everyone's joking about. I guess what you got to remember is that uh, this was a different time. Uh, this was in the nineties. Uh, this was a pre nine eleven world. Right. You course. couldn't just download this movie. No. I don't know what nine yeah, eleven has to do with that technology. That. But back then, that didn't exist. Right. So just remember that. Okay, I remember that, and I withdraw what I was saying. Please. Do you think this guy could have just? You're, you're picturing him sitting on his laptop at night going, wish there was something to watch. It wasn't like that. He yeah. would have had to have driven past a video store on the way home. Exactly. Hoped they had a copy. He was basically making bread after work to try and feed himself. Exactly. It was a different time. He, I'm sure this showrunner was a peasant of Hollywood. He said, I knew I only knew the whole thing from the parody in Mad Magazine. So he's sort of, he's picking it up from references in other things. But yeah, when he, when he wrote it, he hadn't seen it. Which is so good. Because, he just knew the ending. Because for me, The Simpsons is that. There's so many pop culture things that I've never seen and I kind of get the gist of them because of The Simpsons referencing them. Yes. I love it. Any examples? Oh, I'm trying to think of... Oh, um, I've never seen the Kubrick film 2001 A Space Odyssey. Yes. But they reference that a lot. Many, many episodes. Anytime there's sort of any sci-fi sort of elements going on. There's a reference there. They're obviously big fans. Yeah, and it's a very influential film, and I'm a bit ashamed to say I haven't seen it. But maybe I don't have to because The Simpsons already covered it. I'm pretty sure the Planet of the Apes, this Planet of the Apes is the first Planet of the Apes that I'd seen as well. Yeah, I definitely would have seen this before I saw the but Charlton Heston it, Interestingly, this wasn't the first Planet of the Apes reference on The Simpsons. There had been many before, and there have been a few since as well, like in... Season five, a couple of different episodes had one um, in episode number 85 called Rosebud. At the end of the episode, Mr. Burns. Oh, that's the one with his uh, his bear, Bobo. Yes, that's right. And in the end, he's, um, he's shown in a futuristic setting where apes control the world and have enslaved human beings, uh, among them clone, clones of Homer. This is from the Simpsons wiki, Planet of the Apes page. Well, let's uh, go on. Uh, episode 96, during a NASA pre-mission press conference, <laughs> Homer says he hopes they won't send him... To the dreaded planet <laughs> of the apes. Then he realises the plot twist somehow <laughs> as he's saying it, I think. 
wait a minute, Statue of Liberty. That was our planet. You blew it up. And then they have to say, this press conference is over. So he's bringing an accent. He's just slamming his fist in front of all these press people. Wait a minute, Statue of Liberty. That was our planet. There was, a, there was an itchy and scratchy episode in season six called Planet of the Aches. Oh, that's good. It's good fun. And it you know, it was sort of a, a mini parody of Planet of the Apes. Oh, what's that from Bard of Darkness? That's one of my all-time favorites. Yeah, that's Bard of Darkness. Where he breaks his leg. Yes, the Jimmy Stewart. Um, yeah, rear window one. Yeah. Man, they. I like these are all. Every episode is just like plowed with references. Yeah. Like the one we're talking about now, it, it begins with a, a Muppets. Yeah, that's right. Troy McClure is like scene. in a Muppets Muppets movie, sort of um, getting on with Miss Piggy, and then he has to fight Kermit. <laughs> they ask what a Muppet is. It's like a mix between a mop. It's not quite a mop. <laughs> not it's quite not quite a, a puppet. puppet. <laughs> Answer your question. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, so there's heaps. There's heaps of these up until. Uh, season 29, which I, I don't know, this I one. definitely would not have seen that. Restroom of the Apes is a reference to Planet of the Apes. Oh, that's oh, interesting. What's one just above this? Simpsons Safari, episode, uh, season 12. One of the pictures in Joan Bushwell's serious research books is from Planet of the Apes. Oh, that's right. That's when um, Monkey Diamond Mine that they discover, and it's like a, a parody of Diane Fossey and that other monkey expert. Do you know the other monkey expert? It's very, very famous. I can't remember. From... Life from real life, yeah. So there's, I know the gorilla one from like Gorillas in the Mist. What's is that? Who? Yeah, you're that's Diane Fossey. But there's oh, that's another Fossey, one. Really? There's another one who's still alive. Um. And anyway, they discover that she's just gone crazy, and she's been using the monkeys as um diamonds. Diane Fossey. Who am I? I'm thinking of the other one as well. Jane Goodall. Jane Goodall. That's right. There's a parody of her. That's right. And they go through her journal, and she's just got pictures of of monkeys from pop culture. That's all her research has ever been. <laughs> That's very good. Anyway, uh, back to the Planet of the Apes musical. Well, th- this is something I found really fascinating as well uh, from this same Vulture interview. I don't, and I'd be, I'd be interested to know if you heard this. So Oakley's taken over show running um, Simpsons this in in this season, season seven. And he's, this is what he said: Our goal when we took over was to copy season three. Season three of The Simpsons, which we didn't work on, by the way, was the best season of any TV show of all time. Wow. When we took over, we said, what was it about season three that made it so good? We reverse engineered it and said, well, a lot of these stories were pretty grounded, but they took a couple of crazy leaps out in the space with like Homer the Bat. They did seven Homer episodes, three Lisa episodes, a sideshow Bob and Itchy and Scratchy. So we did exactly the same thing. Now, as far as the Selma episode, there was an episode in season three where she was going to marry Sideshow Bob. That was a good episode. So that's... They've, that's really cool. I didn't know that. So they've just watched earlier episodes, even the structure. Yes. Which is like that couldn't... Like they've taken things even that surely were not part of the reason. The reason that season was so great wasn't because there was exactly seven yeah, so Homer episodes. They didn't sit down and be like, all right, we're going to have seven Homer episodes, one about Lisa, <laughs> two about Marge, five Barts. Like that, they probably would have been like, who's got a good idea? Yeah. Okay, this one centers around Homer. That sounds really funny. Let's do that. But I, I think it's fun. I mean, especially seeing as it it was another really good season, yeah. season seven. So Should they do that again? Is that what you're saying? Should they go back to the seven, seven Homers, one Sideshow Bob, Take the wrong lessons out of <laughs> out of history, historical successes. That's what I always say. Okay, I've always said that. You know, like um, when uh, the Allies won World War Two, I was like, 
That's why I'm always wearing army green, baby. <laughs> Winners wear green. Yeah. There must be some correlation mm. here. And th- this is another thing that I was saying. Um, so Weinstein, uh, the uh, the co-runner, saying how everyone at the time uh, loved Phil Hartman. Obviously, he passed away quite a few years ago now, but, but they and they still do love him. I'm not saying they don't love him now, yeah, but yeah, he's Yeah, for sure, for sure. And his other character, um, Lionel Hutz, is my favourite of all time. So good. So funny. What colour tie am I wearing? <laughs> You'll be very... Surprised. <laughs> I watched that very recently. It's so, so good. Um, but he was saying, so they were just trying to figure out a way to get him in. They were saying he's so funny, so kind, so charming. They wanted to do more with him. He was only ever doing these little cameos with the Troy McClure character. You know, you might not like on these educational videos and that sort of stuff. And they're like, how do we how do we do this? So they said, and this is him quoting, this is our Troy McClure episode. And he said he'd never actually met The Simpsons at this point, which is what I said. And he goes, that's why we gave him the Chemisphere House, which is based on a real house. Yeah, for sure. It's like a modern house. Right. Like a futuristic, but like now very dated house. And so in in the logic behind that was to go, the reason he's never come into contact with him is because he's sort of in the Hollywood section of Springfield. Sure, he's in the Hollywood Hills. But, yeah, I love that line. Someone, when she went into that house, she's like, wow, it's like the future, the very (laughs) near future. (laughs) You were saying um, before we started recording, Dave, you were trying to find track down more info about the writer of this episode? Yeah, for sure. So I didn't realise this, but I you know, knew we were going to talk about this show, so I looked it up and the writer, so I think the way the Sim- Simpsons structured, most episodes would have like a main writer and then they take the episode in and then the team of writers would be like, oh, you could put in this great reference here because, you know, they obviously were this Rolodex of amazing pop culture references. They must have seen everything up until, the, you know, this n- mid-90s point. But... um. And there's often writers, you you recognize them, like Bill Oakley and Josh Weinstein, the showrunners of the show, had previously written episodes, so I recognize their names when they come up. But this one, Jack Barth, hadn't recognized it. He didn't even have a, an entry on Wikipedia, which I thought was quite surprising. Yeah, for a writer of an iconic Simpsons episode. Yeah, which do we, we saw that some uh, Entertainment Weekly put as the eighth best episode ever. Yes. So it's obviously a pretty iconic episode. Then I looked him up. This was the only on IMDb, the only episode he's he ever wrote. So he wrote one, and he uh, hasn't done that much else since. A little bit of producing on a couple of shows I hadn't heard of, and the odd thing here and there. But imagine that writing such a classic episode. Well, Weinstein explains a little bit um, how this came about uh, in the in this interview on Voltry. He says uh, there's a rule, and I don't know if this is like a. A write, like a writing association of America, whatever, the, the guild, right, yep, yep. the Writers Guild rule or what. But he said, there's a rule that you give two episodes every season to outside freelancers. Jack Barth, who is credited as the writer, is an excellent writer and he's one of our friends, but it's tricky. You have to get them up to speed and there's always a day where you walk them through everything going on in the show at that point. Oh, for sure, because everyone else is living in that se- yes. season. So they're like... What do you mean Krusty died two episodes ago, but it turned out he faked his own death? Like, but I want to write an episode about Krusty. Like, yeah. that would be super weird. Exactly. Oh, and I don't think they worry about those rules as much anymore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah anything sure. goes now. But, but he said, uh, but but then it's like he's a regular writer and you pitch out the story together, then they write the draft. So they have to bring him in and educate him first. And it's an in- it's interesting that it is a rule. I wonder why, why that would Why they brought the two... It would make there'd be yeah. some reason for that, and if it is a writers' guild thing, maybe it is something like to make sure people are getting opportunities. Or 
Yeah, maybe. I'm not sure. But interestingly, the, uh, they said the musical wasn't even in the first draft. The iconic Oh, moment. right. Yeah. The bit we all remember from that episode. They needed a reason for Troy to have a big comeback, but they weren't sure what it was going to be. I think, will it be a movie or a TV show or whatever? And then apparently they Weinstein thinks Steve Tompkins, who was the supervising producer, had the original concept of Planet of the Apes as a musical. And then Oakley, I love this, because normally in hit, when people are writing history, it's all like, yeah, I think I was a part of that conversation and stuff like people even sure. will believe that put themselves into it but Oak- Oakley says I was out of the room and I came back and the whole thing had been written <laughs> I can recall a rare sense of electricity. I wasn't gone for more than a few hours. I was in editing on another episode, and when I came back, this whole thing had been concocted, and there was a whole room filled with breathless writers going, you got to hear this, you got to hear this. People don't usually do that because there are so many great little tidbits that everyone was quoting. I recall being bombarded with enthusiastic pictures that were all hilarious. I didn't have to approve anything. It was already in the script thanks to Josh. I was like, this is great, and I should be out of the room far more often. <laughs> One... Uh, I think maybe the most iconic thing about the musical itself is probably the Dr. Zayas to the tune of Rock Me Armadeus. By Falco. Do you, do you know anything about Falco? I I know the name and that's that's about it. So I know that he's um he's Austrian. He was Austrian. So I knew a little bit about him. Once I used to do a I still do my um blind dating show at the comedy festival. And I get people to pick their guilty pleasure song to play. So what it is, it's three comedians blindly dating through a curtain, a, uh, a single person from the audience. And I get the three comedians to play their guilty pleasure song to see who who they're most on the same wavelength as the contestant from the audience. And they, they pick their favourite song. And uh, Cam Knight, great Sydney stand-up comedian, brought in Falco, Rock Me Amadeus. <laughs> And ever since then, it's been on my uh, been on my Spotify playlists. Uh, so I knew a bit about it from there because I got into a you know a wiki hole when um, he submitted that a couple of years ago. But uh, it says here, if Wiki is to be believed, he is the uh, best-selling Austrian singer of all time. Wow! Yeah, sold twenty million albums and forty million singles. And I remember this part: he um, twenty million albums. Albums, I know. That'd be it. That's up there with some big time artists. I would have thought. Yeah, pre- pretty amazing. He had uh, a lot of success, especially in Europe. Rock Me Armadeus was his big big song around the world yeah. and then um he sort of dropped off into obscurity a bit and he was apparently planning a comeback when uh, at the age of 40 he was in the uh dominican republic driving around and um his mitsubishi pajero collided with a bus and uh he died he'd been uh, and it says he was under the influence of alcohol and cocaine oh no so i think he had a pretty he had a pretty wild life i think he um how he was 40 i think amadeus himself died in about th- i think he was about 35 really yeah pretty sure he died yeah mid 30s that is depressing for how much he achieved in his life yeah. let's look him up wolfgang amadeus 35 congratulations on knowing that yeah which is wild right that is it's only 2 years older than jesus i mean jesus got a lot done then as well but yeah 35 it's funny that 35 is super young, but it's and then you think, well, the twenty seven club, holy shit! Yeah, the stuff they achieve is amazing. I think Mozart did; he was a real young prodigy. Oh, I think he all prodigies written are proper, yeah, proper music, you know, con- concertos and stuff by the age of five or something, which is just outrageous. And he's the kind of person that could hear like a whole opera and then write it, hear it once and then write out what he'd heard, which right. is just annoying. Too much talent. Yes, just like us. I feel I see so much of us in them. Yes, I feel more more in Falco than in Wolfgang. But there you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No offense. No offense. No offense, Falco. Oh, Falco. Okay. Oh, sorry. <laughs> you were saying no. No offense. no offense, Mozart. But um, yeah. I know you probably want us, us to see us in you. I know, but we've gone with the Austria's 
best-selling singer of all time. So this is more of an example of what I was I was saying about what Oakley didn't do. This, Weinstein uh, does it a little bit differently. He goes between uh, the three of us. He's talking about him, Paul Sims, uh, and Bill Oakley. Uh, he goes. The three of us were constantly saying things like, thank you, Armadeus, after we came up with the idea of Planet of the Apes musical. I said randomly, thank you, Dr. Zayas. Maybe somebody else may have said it. So I don't want to full claim full credit for it, <laughs> but somebody said it, like the Rock Me Armadeus song, and then it clicked in and people started pitching lyrics. I think he probably realised halfway through, he's like, did I say it? Did I? Someone said it. Or, or Someone's going to call me out for this. Yeah, it's either that or he halfway through, he's like, oh, wait, you're recording this for something aren't you yeah totally <laughs> i'm not just impressing someone at a bar <laughs> yeah yeah. anyway yeah. so Hang i on. said the other people in the room that day may read this <laughs> yeah but i think that uh, cohen um david x cohen who's the co-creator of futurama yes which is i think i like even more than the simpsons really i think so yes so the one of the classic lines which i use in the intro to this show chimpanzee to chimpanzee even though they say it a bit wrong in America. Um, so there's one scene. He goes, I know David Cohen, David X Cohen, had one of the best Simpsons lines ever, when, which is, I hate every ape I see from chimpanzee to chimpanzee. I hate every ape I see from chimpanzee to chimpanzee. And Cohen says, no doubt I was going through the different types of apes in my mind trying to think of a funny rhyming lyric. Probably I gave up on orangutan and moved on. I certainly did not pitch it thinking it was a high point in the development of the human or ape culture. My recollection is I thought it was pretty good and had a decent chance of going into the script, but wasn't a sure thing. Really? Yeah, it feels like the kind of line where you'd be like... That's in. That's in. That That is sick. Like, there's not many... Pla- like, you could say that... It's, it's funny how you can build a context where a joke like that is brilliant but if you said that you know like as a quip somewhere it's still it's still like fun and clever but it's quite lame but yeah, because for it, sure. yep. it's in this world where it is it's a musical it's a, parody it's a musical, musical. Yeah. yeah it's like so good chimpanzee to chimpanzee love it so much can i just be the first to start the slow clap getting a bit quicker showing our appreciation for primates Boys, uh, that was such a good time. Jeez, it was great just sitting in here, um, Dave and I, just miming our words. <laughs> yeah, I remember it. I remember the script that we wrote together and then <laughs> recorded. Jeez, it took us took us you know years to get that script approved by the bigwigs <laughs> up at the podcast head office. Yeah, the in uh, Tinseltown, um, Dandenong, and um, <laughs> we were podcasting Tinseltown. <laughs> As I just said. But, uh, yeah, if you want to hear the rest of that episode, check out Primates. Please subscribe uh, on your podcast app. Uh, it's a lot of fun, and we've got heaps of more great episodes coming out, and, it, and already a bunch of real fun episodes have been out. Let us know what you think. And, uh, yeah, just, yeah, hey, look, I just want to say keep doing you. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Thanks, Matt, guys. Go out there, support Matt. He's supporting the show. He's got a new venture. Let's get behind him. Hey, Jess, what do you say? I won't. I won't because then he'll leave us. <laughs> I know. All right, make him successful, but not too successful. I look, uh, there's a guarantee I will never leave Dugo on my first love. Boycott the podcast is what I say. <laughs> what does that mean, Jess? Nothing. Stop using your fancy legal terms. Your legal eagle. <laughs> Flapping your wings about with your, oh, oh, hello, I'm a lawyer. That's me. Your impressions are getting very good. 
I mean, they've gone from great to even better. <laughs> that's what she's trying to say. It's yeah. hard when you start great, but that's that hard. was that's my plot. You did it. Uh, we'll catch you in the next couple of days with an uh, an episode of uh, the classic version of Do Go On. Yeah, Do Go On presents Do Go On, the actual show. <laughs> yeah. um, thanks so much for tuning in, and yeah, we'll talk to you again very soon. Laters. Bye. <laughs> Slightly different buy on don't, the one present. I know, I'm trying to get the last word again. Okay. Dave just let her have a Everyone, last oh word. my god, Matt. Goodbye! Dave, you, know, you look like Oh you're my god, what is wrong with you, idiots? I'm really sorry I ruined it. Yeah, thanks, mate. I won't talk again. Okay, let's let Jess have the last Sorry, Jess. I'm again. leaving. Okay. Dave, where, you're happy now? Where are you now going? Now she's leaving. <laughs> well, this is a real bloody quarrel, isn't it? Under the sea. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. I mean, if you want. It's up to you. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Shopify helps you sell at every stage of your business. Like that, let's put it online and see what happens stage. And the site is live. That we opened a store and need a fast checkout stage. Thanks, you're all set. That count it up and ship it around the globe stage. This one's going to Thailand. And that, wait, did we just hit a million orders stage? Whatever your stage, businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for your $1 a month trial at shopify.com slash listen.